Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's um, it's a crazy time that we living in. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows. Obviously, we in you know the age of Corona, mm-hmm. and um, I remember um texting you like when the when Corona first hit. I'm like, yo, that's when the stock market was crashing. Yeah, and I'm like, yo, this real estate market about to crash, and you was like, nah, it's not. And I'm like, how people are losing their jobs, stock market's crashing, people can't go to work, like <laughs> yep. all the writings on the wall for another 2008 to happen, and you was like, nah, commercial real estate <laughs> might be in trouble, but residential real estate i'm like all right we'll see yeah. and then to this day it hasn't crashed it's actually gone up in most most places in america the price the home prices have actually gone up it's a shortage of uh, inventory on the marketplace Absolutely. so where are we at right now as far as the state of real estate in the united states of america the market is on fire for residential you know and i told you this back in march i said nah bro it's not going to happen because what people and everybody was kind of saying the same thing like Yo, 2008 is coming back. Wait, don't buy, don't buy, wait. And I said, 2008 was different. That was a credit crisis, Mm. right? This is a health crisis. Credit crisis means that banks, Wall Streeters, everybody, homeowners, you know, investors, everybody was greedy, you know, appraisers, everybody, right? So when the market crashed, the government was reluctant on trying to save everybody. They didn't want to bail out everybody, but they had no choice but to bail out the big names, right? So with this one, I said, now nah, this is health. This has nothing to do with nobody. This is nobody's fault. And if you think about it, if you look at the real estate market going into 2020, it was already on fire. It was due for a correction at some point because mm-hmm. what goes up 
must go come down, right? But I said, nah, this is not going to crash. There's no way because the government is going to have to bail out everybody now, right? From the, the big businesses mm-hmm. to the everyday person. And when you told me that it's going to crash, that's what was in my mind because I, I knew, especially with an election year, they couldn't just let all these people die, people lose their homes. There's no way. And as you see, all these stimulus packages came out. Everybody getting their PPE money and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it was reckless. With it. Hopefully they wasn't reckless. Hopefully with it. they wasn't reckless and hopefully they did the right thing. But, you know, you have unemployment benefits. People are getting them with ease, with no problem. So, you know, you got to give the administration credit for what they tried to do um, to help as many people as possible. And that's why I just didn't feel like the market was going to crash. But residential real estate is on fire right now all over the country. There's 30, 40 offers on one house. You know, So if you're a seller right now, if you're thinking about selling your home to upgrade or, or downsize, this is the time for the sellers right now because they're going to get 20 30% above asking price in some markets right now because it's just too hot right now. There's too mm-hmm. many buyers out there. And with these low interest rates, you know, with rates being in the mid twos to low threes, depending on your circumstance, like everybody wants to buy a house because money is cheap now, mm-hmm. right? So it's easy to, to, to the, the person who couldn't afford the half a million dollar house last year when rates were three and a half, four percent. Now it's two and a, two and a half. Can you, can you explain like that? Like because the average person that maybe never bought a home might not fully appreciate because they're saying three and a half, two <sighs> two and a half. Yeah, it's only one percent. That's not that big of a deal, but because they're looking at it like it's stocks, like it's like yeah. all right, if you earn one percent, like you know what I'm saying, or yeah. just regular life, one percent doesn't move the needle. Mm-hmm. But in a, in your world of mortgages, one percent is huge, right? So can oh. you kind of put that in perspective for Hell people? Yeah, I mean, look, one percent depending on your loan amount, right? That can be three, four, five hundred dollars a month. That could be six thousand, eight thousand, ten thousand a year, depending on the size of your loan. Right. Right. So, the bigger the loan, the the lower the rate, the cheaper the payment. Right. So, someone again who couldn't afford the five hundred thousand dollar home or get pre-approved for a five hundred thousand dollar home a year ago because the rate was probably three and a half to four percent, now they're able to because now that brings their payment down, and they're able to get approved for now that higher amount. So 1% is huge in the real estate, in the mortgage world. Um, interest that you're going to pay over the life of the loan is also very important too. Um, because if you're looking at any house that you buy, let's face it, right? The way the mortgage and the banking system is set up, it's, you know, you're going to pay interest three times more than what the house is actually worth. But if you're getting a cheaper interest rate, that softens the blow a little bit. And now you can focus on your debt strategy, which is repaying back your debt and trying to beat that interest trap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know, little things you can do to do that. You can make one extra payment a year and you can pay off your loan in 22 and a half years if you have a 30-year mortgage. You know, what I tell folks all the time, take your income taxes, re- refunds, right? And apply that every single year to yeah, your principal balance. Good. That could bring down your debt. You can do as little as $100 a month to your principal balance and you'll be surprised of how much interest you'll save on your mortgage, especially if you plan on living in a house the long term, the full term of 30 years, you don't want to just make your regular payment because you're going to pay, you know, on a $300,000, $400,000 home, you may pay back $800,000. Now, that was a gem what you just said. And I learned that in business. I don't want that to go to people's head. When I first got into, into the industry, um, working in finance, I learned that like one extra payment a year on your mm-hmm. mortgage 
um, cut seven years off of your mortgage. Absolutely. Or eight, seven, eight oh, years. 20, 20, 22 and a half years. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's that's huge. If you really yeah. think about it, it's like one extra payment a year. Absolutely. Can really take almost a decade off. Like Basically. And yeah. it has to be towards your principal balance only. So if you're making a payment, you can't just give the bank money because they're automatically going to apply it to interest. Right, because you have to direct them where you want that money to go. So how how does that even look? So if my mortgage is three thousand, I gotta pay six thousand if I'm doing that. Yeah. So if your mortgage is three, you can pay six, yeah. and you can tell them the difference to go to principal balance only. Okay. The, on some online, everything's online right now with all the banks, right? So you can go pay your mortgage, and you can specify there two principal balance only. You can write a check, put on a check, two principal balance only. Okay. So depending on how you pay your mortgage. Do that. And if it's not an online option to pay extra, call the service and lender that you're paying your mortgage to and, and figure out a way to, to accomplish that goal. Maybe they can just do automatic drafts from your account, something like that, and set it up to where you can make that extra payment. Yeah. You know, And you'll be surprised if you make two payments extra a year. That's what I, in my mind, I'm thinking if I make two extra yeah. payments now, that seven turns into 14. Now I'm really at a 15-year mortgage. Basically. And, and this is, I'm glad you brought up 15-year mortgages, right? Especially right now, folks want to go into 15-year loans. And, and look, the 15-year rate, the lowest I've seen it since we've been in um, COVID was around 2%, which is phenomenal. Crazy. Right? That's incredible. But what I try to tell people is may not maybe not go into that 15-year right now because life happens, right? You're mm -hmm. committing yourself to a much higher payment. And what if, you know... COVID-21 comes, God forbid, and it's worse, a worse strain than this. Mm -hmm. Now you're committing yourself to that higher payment just to try to pay it off early when you could have went to a 30-year, had a cheaper payment, and just a, and manage your principal balance yourself. That way you're not committed to that 15-year term or that 20-year term. Yeah. You stay with the cheapest possible payment, but still you're paying down your debt. You know, so, and I'm not a, against 20 year mortgages. I think for the right people, it works, right? People who have substantial income and they can really afford the payment. Yeah. But most people are trying to pay off their loan fast, which I get, but they, they're, they're now cash strapped, right? They're becoming house rich and cash poor because they're making their payment um, so much higher because they're just focusing on, I just want to get rid of it, which again, I understand, but you got to be a little bit smarter right now because anything could happen. As we've seen, we woke up in 2020, Kobe dead, God bless, you know, then COVID came. Like this year has been crazy. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, if this doesn't teach anybody anything, you got to have cash flow right yeah. now. You got to have liquidity because anything can happen. So that's why I just try to tell home future homeowners and current homeowners who are refinancing, if you don't have to go to the 15 year, just stay with the 20 or 30 years. So that way you can have a little bit more cash flow. Can, can I go back to something you said? Because yeah. when you say, I'm like, oh, how does that work? Because I've heard of corrections, obviously, in the stock market. And we know that's maybe 8 to 10% or 18%. Mm -hmm. What does that look? What does a correction look like in the real estate world? Is that interest rates go up? Like, what, what is a correction in the real estate world? I mean, it could be rates go up. It could be home prices depreciate. You know, it could be lenders tightening up their guidelines. Mm -hmm. You know, all of these things could be corrections in the market that can affect the buying power of Americans, right? Um, if home prices decline like you thought it was, I mean, it sucks. But what goes up must come down at some point, right? So that's why over leveraging is is not over leveraging is key. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is why I talk a lot about rehabs, um, rehab loans, and things of that nature because I want 
first-time home buyers to think like investors. When you're buying these homes, buy them the same way that you'll see a Caesar buy them or Envy buy them or any investor that you guys are following online. Buy it the same way they're buying. You know, there's nothing special about anybody who's flipping real estate or doing anything. Hmm. They just have more knowledge than you. And they know where to look and where to find these properties. You can do the same thing. The information is available. You know, there's no excuse. It's not like 10, 15 years ago when I first came into business, there was no social media, right? You can hashtag and follow a hashtag and you'll see hundreds of people flipping houses and they're giving you all this information. So now you just got to apply it. And if you're a first time home buyer, there's so many different programs out there for you to get the rehab money, to be able to now buy a home that's undervalued, put that money into it, force the appreciation. And now you have equity in that home and God forbid the house does depreciate, you're still good because if you lose 10% equity because the market is declining, 5% equity, you're not over leveraged. You're not upside down. So I try to promote, don't buy retail if you don't have to, but I understand you have to, in some cases, buy retail because of school districts, family um, needs, things of that nature, and you don't have a choice, but still try to buy the ugliest house in the best neighborhood. So let me ask you this, because, <coughs> you know, obviously you said that it's a um, seller's market. Absolutely. But interest rates are extremely low right now, so that would say it would be better, it's good for the buyer. So To get a loan. But okay. it's great for the seller because they're going to have multiple offers yeah. on their home. Okay. So for people that's looking to maybe purchase a home, is is this a, a good time? So what should, because like, all right, the average, like, let's say somebody hasn't brought a home yet and they're looking mm-hmm. at it like, all right, I'm, I got some money saved and low interest rates. This is a good time for me to buy a home. But if it's a seller's market, should they be looking to buy a home or should they just be waiting for it to be a buyer's market again? Good question, right? <clears throat> so this is what I tell everybody. If you have financial security, if you have down payment, closing costs and reserves, and you have the knowledge and your mindset is right and everything is where it needs to go, you have your team. And if your goal in 2020 prior to COVID was to purchase, then I personally believe you should still purchase, right? Because the money is dirt cheap. Now, on the flip side, should you wait till the quote unquote buyer's market come and the homes depreciate? When the hell is that going to be? No one has a crystal ball. That could come five years from now. Mm-hmm. And then the rates could be 7% then. So like, I don't care if the homes go down 10, 15%, but now I'm paying 7% on the money, right? So you got to look at the whole opportunity cost for yourself of what's going to be best for you. Everybody's going to have an opinion on this, right? Everybody has, everybody's an expert. Everybody's an economist. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody knows when the the crash is going to happen. People will say, no, the foreclosure wave is going to happen next year. How do you know that? How do you know that? No one knows. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So- for me, if you're financially secure and you want to buy real estate and you want to get in the game and you want to invest, then invest. Do it. Just be smart about it. Take into consideration if you're buying rental properties, make sure you're doing your due diligence. If there has tenants in the property, make sure you ask it for proof that they're paying. You know what I'm saying? Because anybody can tell you anything. Yeah, I got three tenants in here. They're all good. Okay, show me the proof. Home seller. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let me see two to three months of, of your bank statement showing these deposits going in. Show me the proof. Be smart. And that's what it's all about. Doing your due diligence and, and, and applying that information and going out there and executing at a high level and being a CEO of your real estate business. Even if it's your first home, it doesn't matter. You still got to be a CEO. You can't be out here emotional 
And I think I said that on the last yeah. um, episode too. Um, and I've been saying this pretty much my whole career because at one point I was emotional when I was buying homes. I wasn't really looking at numbers. I was just happy to be able to buy real estate. And I made a lot of bad decisions, which you know I shared with you guys I just paid for. <laughs> like It was bad decisions and I just had to pay for it and it sucks. But these were lessons and this is why my message is my message and I try to educate everybody to tell them like, look, you just got to do the numbers and don't be scared. Just be sharp. And, and understand um, what you're doing, but don't worry about what could have, should have, or what can happen because if it's going to happen, everything's going to happen in God's time anyway. It's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. So just be smart and have your reserves and be prepared for the worst. You know what Ian said? You need five five years of reserves? Five years, 60 months. <laughs> and it's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like many people ain't in that position to have five years, but if you lose using your last dollar to buy real estate, then you're playing yourself. Yeah, you're really playing yourself. You should not be house rich and cash poor. Like you have to do your due diligence. So, what's up, Ernest? When it comes to beard, hair, and face care grooming products, Scotch Porter is the real deal. Helping men with grooming issues they face daily: itchiness, dryness, shedding when it comes to your beard and hair and blemishes, bacteria and clogged pores when it comes to your face. I mean, let's keep it real. Who doesn't want a soft, thick, growing beard? Scotch Port is not toxic. Better for you products include ingredients such as kale, protein, white willow bark, biotin, and pomegranate enzymes to cleanse, condition, moisturize, and promote your growth. Need some new grooming products to get your full routine into swing? For a limited time, take $15 off your order over $45, excluding accessories. Visit scotchporter.com and use the code EYL15 at checkout. Make sure you tell them that the good folks at EYL sent you. Yeah, one of the other things you said on episode 12 was that the equity in your home is monopoly money. Correct. And I feel like maybe thousands of people must have heard that, right? Because the refi rates have been low Mm -hmm. and thousands of Americans have been doing it, right? So what has that been like for your business during Corona? (laughs) <laughs> well, it is a pandemic. Um, some, some people call it a pandemic or a pandemic. I'm calling it a pandemic because right now, if you're in the real estate industry, God bless you. You know, you're having record-breaking years all across the board in the industry, from the appraisers to the realtors to shit, even the loan processors and loan assistants. They're levering up their bag because there's so much volume that companies need to hire. And now, look. I ain't going to tell all my business, but I had to pay some people some money that I never thought I would have to pay them to come work for me, right? Because you need talent right now because there's so much volume coming in. It's not enough bodies in in the real estate industry to handle the amount of people who want to do a refinance right now Mm -hmm. or buy a house. It's absolutely incredible. So what it's done for my business is blowing up. It's a great thing. I love it, but it's also overwhelming and stressful. Like You're dealing with people's lives. And that's never an easy thing when you're trying to help someone either save money on their mortgage, pull money out to go buy other real estate, then helping them do those transactions. So, you know, it's late night, early mornings, lack of sleep, you know, lack of time spending at home with the family and everything like that. Yeah. It's it's a lot right now. So a lot of things being sacrificed and um, it's for the greater good, obviously, yeah. but it's, it's a lot, man. So yeah, you making money, but- it's also a lot of responsibility that comes with it because you're trying to service so many people. It, it gets overwhelming. Yeah, and that's like that. that's important, man, having that balance. We talk about that a lot, just yeah. having, having balance in your life. And like we've been watching the news, and it looks like the rates are going to stay that way for a while. So yeah. business is going to be business for a while. You know, God willing, you know, rates will stay low. 
Um, me personally, I, I hope they do go back up a little bit, um, slow things down. Mm-hmm. That's just me. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather go up a little bit, get rid of some of these people <laughs> like, so we can all breathe and get back to regular life, so to speak, in our world. You know, the mortgage business is set to break records this year in 2020. Trillions of dollars are being lent um, in 2020. Like, I'm, I can't wait to the final number. It's tallied up to just see what we, what the mortgage business did. But it's it's incredible right now. What we're on pace to do right now is a couple trillion dollars. Like, I don't think people understand that. It's a lot of money being lent. And people think COVID and quarantine slowed things or stopped anything. It didn't stop anything. It may have slowed certain components down, like appraisals, getting title reports, and things of that nature. But it didn't slow nothing down. People are buying homes. And that's why I tell folks all the time, if you're looking to buy, buy. What are you waiting for? Go ahead. Because your opportunity may not be there. Yeah. So let me ask you this as far as um, this is a business show. So a lot of people that listen to Earn Your Leisure is, uh, are entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. aspiring entrepreneurs. One of the hardest things for entrepreneurs, business people, 1099 contractors, things of that nature, is to buy a home because it's like a lot of times it's a, one of the benefits of being a business owner is that you get to write off a lot. Absolutely. But the problem with that when it comes to getting a mortgage is that you don't show enough income. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, you know, you're in a tough spot because. Yeah, you might have made two hundred thousand dollars, but you're only paying taxes on twenty thousand. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> things only, like that, or, or seven hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, on, <laughs> on, on one hundred and eighty million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven fifty on one eighty. Seven fifty. Beautiful, beautiful world we live in. So, uh, but yeah, it's like it's hard to get a, a mortgage. But you, you was actually enlightening me. Like, there's different programs for business owners, like. Especially like bank statement loan things that nature. Absolutely. So can you? Because we haven't really covered that. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So um, you have loans out there that fall into that non-QM category, non-qualified mortgage. It basically means Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, who buys conventional loans from banks, right? They won't purchase this type of loan. But there's private lenders out there that will fund bank statement loans. Whereas you can put as little as 10% down, you can borrow up to $4 million with this type of loan. And we're using the deposits as your income for your business. Mm. So you can use either 12 months or 24 months of those deposits in your business bank account, and that can be used to qualify you for your loan. So there's no tax returns, there's no W-2s, obviously, because you're self-employed. We're not looking at any of that stuff. We just need to see 12 months of your business bank statements, and we use that for your income to qualify. And you can put down as little as 10% with these loans. How's the interest rates? Oh, yeah. The rich interest rates, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> like, you're going to pay <laughs> right, for it. Talking. Like, uh-huh. you, you're going to talk probably like in, in the, right now, 6 to 8% range, depending on the lender. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, when you're talking 6, you're probably going to have to be more 30%, 35% down, you know, high credit. Mm-hmm. You know, minimum credit score for this program is 660. Um, so, but you want to get that lower rate, you're going to have to probably be in the high 7s. Uh, with a larger down payment, but if you're talking ten percent down, you know jumbo bank statement loan, you're probably going to get clobbered for like seven and a half percent. Can you refinance later? Absolutely, you can always refinance, right? And here's another gem: if you use the bank statement program and you and you get into, let's just say your rate is seven percent, right? Mm-hmm. File your taxes, and your business has been in, um, in business for five years, like legally in business, right? Like you have your filing receipt in this document. Freddie Mac has a program where you can use one year tax returns as a business owner. 
right? So now this is a conventional loan. So you can refinance into the conventional loan, just file your taxes the right way. Show the income now, pay the tax, the tax man what they what, what you owe them, or get into a payment arrangement so that way you have a monthly payment on your tax bill that's outstanding. We include that tax um, payment into your debt to income ratio, and now you can use one year of your tax returns. And you don't, those negative tax returns, we don't even have to look at it. So you can just use the one year and then refinance into a conventional loan after you do the bank statement loan. How long do you have to stay in the property? Um, if you're doing a primary residence, it's one year occupancy, but obviously bank statement loans is not just for primary residence. You can do vacation homes with it. You can do investment properties with it as well. But that's, that's, that's big, especially for business owners. Cause if you compare it to like a hard money, mm-hmm. hard money is like 10%. Yeah. Hard money right now, COVID rates are probably going to be 10 to 13, 14%, depending on who you're working with. And yeah. it's only in your LLC's name. So these bank statement loans, just to clarify, it's in your personal name still. It's not in your LLC's name. Mm. So when you go um, asset-based or hard money, that's strictly in your LLC's name. And that's why the rate is even higher because it's all LLC-based. But that's extremely valuable. And even if it's 6% or even 8%, it's still, depending on how much income you're not showing, because mm-hmm. you got to realize it's like, it's a trade-off, right? You, e- you either show a bunch of income. By showing a bunch of income, you have to pay taxes on that money. Correct. So like, let's say you're making $200,000. And you're showing twenty thousand. In order to qualify, you need to show a hundred thousand. So now you got to show eighty thousand dollars more. Correct. So now you could potentially be paying thirty thousand more. Absolutely. In taxes. So even if you're paying twice as much, or even three times as much on the interest rate, it might not equal that at least up front. And then you always have the opportunity, even if you're paying a higher amount. To refinance down the line. Absolutely. You always have the opportunity to sell the property. Absolutely. You always have the opportunity, if it's a multifamily home, to generate income to kind of offset that. So that's a that's something that business owners should definitely be aware of. Because like I said, that's a decision that business owners have to make all the time. Like, all right, do I sacrifice? Do I show more income and pay more taxes? Or do I just rent an apartment forever because I don't have enough money to yeah. just buy a home in cash? It's, Something that you know, if you if you if you don't if you don't own a business, it's not a big deal. But not just business owners, but also, like I said, ten ninety nine absolutely contractors, independent contractors are considered self employed in in the mortgage world because you're not having any taxes taken out of your your checks. So you're self employed. So you're filing a Schedule C, right? And you have to pay taxes. So it's the same thing, you know. But if you're if you're ten ninety nine, you're gonna have to. I would probably set yourself up as a business. So that way you can get better tax benefits of having yourself incorporated or a LLC versus just having yourself as a S- I mean, um, Schedule C filing. But, you know, like you said, pick your poison, right? You want to pay $750, like, you know, <laughs> or, or you want to go buy real estate. So you're going to have to pick what's your poison right now. So if you want to have this program gives you the option of having your cake and eating it too, paying less taxes, using... The, the deposits to qualify and you still buying real estate, you're just going to have to pay a premium for it. So for me, I think the program is amazing and it, and it helps so many entrepreneurs get into the real estate business. Yeah. Get you a good CPA. Yeah. Get you a great, <laughs> get you a great CPA. Get you a great CPA. No, that's a fact. Um, so you have, a, you have a question, Troy? Or? No, I, I wanted to go into uh, one of the things that you mentioned before and, and that's the appraisal process. Okay. Um, because 
obviously we I've spoke about this a number of times of how my family was robbed of thousands of dollars during during the appraisal process. And one of the things in speaking to you, um, what I came to find out was something called the AMC. Can you explain what that is? So um, AMC stands for Appraisal Management Company. So when the market crashed, the government said it was the bank's fault and the appraisers. So they took the control away from the banks and the brokers, the mortgage brokers. um, They took the appraisal um, control away from us, that process away from us. Right? Mm -hmm. We can't have direct contact with an appraiser. So when we do a deal, we go through the appraisal management company. The appraisal management company now picks from a round robin of appraisers that's approved with whatever lender they're working with. Mm -hmm. And then they're the ones who have the communication with the appraiser. They set up the the order with them. You got to contact this person, whatever, right? In my mind, I'm thinking the government did this because it was like, if I was an appraiser, Mm -hmm. I know you worked at the bank. You telling me like, yo, just rate, give them a good rate. So we can make money on the deals? Is that why? It was kind of like this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you how it went. Let me tell you wild, how the story went. Let me tell you how it went in the wild cowboy days. It would say, yo, Giovanni, I need this deal to go to 800000 I know it's probably only worth seven, but what can you do? We can, make, we can pay you extra. Hmm. And Giovanni would come back with an appraisal report of $800,000. And there was no systems in place back then and no technology like we have now, where underwriters were really vetting that appraisal. They would just close on it, mm-hmm. right? They would take their word. So the market was being inflated. And it, what they're saying is true. You know, let's call a spade a spade. We had too much contact, right? If you're an appraiser and you know I'm sending you a lot of business, look, if I need you to make this happen, make it happen. And they would because there was really no regulation behind it. Mm-hmm. Now with the appraisal management company, that's out of the window. You can't even talk to the appraiser. It's illegal for us loan officers to talk to appraisers now. So I don't know who the hell the appraiser is going to be on a deal until I get the actual report. And even when I get the report, I can't make contact with them. If I want to dispute something, I have questions, I think there's errors, it all has to funnel back through the AMC. Mm -hmm. And then the AMC goes back to that appraiser to make whatever corrections. And so my thing is like, and I've seen this a lot, is like, I wonder how many people look like us that are in this this management company. Oh, it's <laughs> slim, right? slim to none in, in most cases, right? We need black appraisers. We need we need people that look like us going into our neighborhoods, valuing our property because right. we know the true value of our areas in our neighborhoods. Yeah. Most most of these folks don't, and that's when you see people um, getting these homes appraised, and like your your situation. Mm-hmm. They devalued you. Yeah. Right? Came in, spent t- 10 minutes here. I paid them $700, mm-hmm. devalued me. We lost like 100000 on a deal. It's terrible. You know, it's terrible. So if anybody's looking to get into the real estate industry, looking to becoming an appraiser, um, there's a serious need to become an appraiser. And especially if you're a minority, this could be a good way for you to learn the real estate market because you're learning how to value properties, right? And if you're going to invest... What better like knowledge to have than being an appraiser? Yeah. And it's, right? it pays well. And it pays well. <laughs> Ten minutes. Right? Ten minutes, but you gotta think about it though. It doesn't pay that well no more for the appraisers, right? Because mm. now you have that AMC. Oh, the company. Yes. So now the AMC has to eat too off that same fee. So now the appraisers actually make less. And that's right, why right. you see a lot of sloppy work now. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're not making as much money as they used to. Now what you see a lot of now, they'll make the so there's two 
there's two um, appraisal reports, right? It's either going to come back as is or subject to repairs, right? So if it comes back as is, I mean, the house is fine how it is, right? Mm -hmm. But it comes back subject to repairs, then whatever the appraiser lists on that report that needs to be repaired, it needs to be repaired prior to closing. And then they have to come back out and do a re-inspection. That's another trip fee. That could be an extra $150 to $500 just depending on the property type and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So that's how they're making more money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're yeah, making yeah. up for that loss is because now appraisers are going in and they're looking for cracks. They're looking for mold. They're looking for whatever's out of, out of, out of order. You know what I'm saying? So that way they can put that trip but feedback on. The appraiser is different from the home inspector, right? Absolutely. Even Even though they, they come in, they look at the property, they may say, hey, you need a new furnace. Hey, that bathroom needs new plumbing. Mm -hmm. That's different from the home inspection, correct? Absolutely. Home inspection, the home inspector is coming in to look at the house and they're going to see about the mechanics of the house to make sure the roof, the boiler, the heat, the plumbing, electrical, everything is where it needs to be and what they feel like needs repairs and what's the cost to cure um, those repairs, right? And then they're going to give you probably a 30 to 50 page report mm -hmm. with all this information in there. Right, telling you this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. So the, the home inspector is going to be thorough, right? They're not spending 10 minutes. They're spending two, three hours, you know, depending on the size of the home. Mm -hmm. And they're looking through everything. But even with a home inspection, you're really not going to know your home until you live in it, you know, but this will give you a good idea of what you're buying, right? So it's very important, get a home inspection. And there's a lot of times that I'm starting to see on deals where folks are opting out of home inspections because they think it's a good house or it was just recently renovated. If it's a flip, definitely get a home inspection because these investors are being cheap hmm. with their materials and they work. So you need to go in there and double check and have somebody with professional eyes that you don't have to kind of look at this stuff because a lot of them are putting um, cheap materials. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm thinking. Like, yeah, they're probably going to bring the cheapest material to yeah. get it done the fastest. Absolutely. To flip this house the quickest. Absolutely. They're trying to turn and burn. You know what I'm saying? So don't don't um, devalue your your home in, home inspection. You know what I'm saying? Make sure that you you take serious notes. You're looking. Be there. You mm -hmm. know, ask questions. Learn about it because if you're going to invest, that's also free, tr not free training, right? Because you're paying for it, mm -hmm. but it's still training if you if you use that information that you're learning because now they work for you. Now they got to tell you this stuff, right? What's wrong with this? Blah, 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 blah. Now you're starting to learn, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's another hack, so to speak. If you're trying to get into real estate and you're buying your first house, take the process serious. Learn. The entire process, everything that you need to know. So that way, when it's time to do more deals, you already have the knowledge. No one can take it from you. You have the blueprint. You have the blueprint. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, one thing that uh, Earn Your Leisure, we're not just tied to America. Mm -hmm. We get support from all over the world. Like, literally, we get tons of support in Canada. Shout out to Toronto. Shout yeah, out to yeah. Montreal. Shout out to T-Dot. Shout out to Vancouver. Shout out to the whole country of Canada. Shout out to the Caribbean, all the countries in the Caribbean. Shout out to DR, shout out to PR, shout out to Jamaica, shout out to Antigua. You guys are like number one in all these countries. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, got a, we got a following Shout out, out to the Caribbean, shout out to Humble London. London. <laughs> the UK is a big hub for us. Shout out to London. Shout out to everybody out there. And shout out to everybody in Africa. Yeah. We've been mm -hmm. doing a lot of stuff in Africa. We're going to go there. Yeah, shout out to the whole continent of Africa. Shout out to Asia. Shout out to all over the world, every, every continent. So, you know. A lot of most of our content is kind of, you know, based around America because that's where we're from and that's where we live. But we want to talk to people and give people information that because, you know, a lot of people live in, especially like, the you know, London, Toronto, Jamaica, 
they they have family in America, mm-hmm. and you know they go back and forth, and they might want to invest in America. So there's different programs and things for like international people as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So you have what's called foreign national loans, where if you're not um, living here or a U.S. citizen, you still have the ability to get a loan and um, buy investment properties here in the U.S. So it's called a foreign national loan. Um, and depending on the lender, you can put down as little as 20 to 35% down payment on these loans. Um, and it's not a real difficult process to um, get approved for a foreign national, right? Um, there's only a handful of lenders that will take these type of loans. Um, there's not too many of them. Um, so if you are you know, overseas and you want to get a foreign national loan, just do a simple Google search and you'll see a bunch of lenders that will come up that will tell you their different requirements. But the baseline of it is no credit score requirement because obviously you're not U.S. citizen. Um, some some lenders will want you to have a U.S. bank account um, and have the money transferred over to the U.S. Some lenders don't. They'll accept the money coming in from overseas the day of closing, but mm-hmm. a lot of them want you to have the money in the U.S. already. Uh, so check with the lender mm-hmm. um, for, for their particular guidelines on, on what they require. Um, if you're self-employed, then you have to get a letter from your accountant or your CPA just verifying what your income is and how long you've been in business, if, and a letter of good standing and things of that nature. If you are W-2 employee, I'm not sure if they even call it W-2 employees over there, but whatever you guys call it, if you work for somebody and you get a paycheck from someone else, then we have to get a letter also from your employer just to verify your employment. Um, some um, lenders will rub, um, not rub, but run like you through certain contracts. I forget the, the name, what they call it. I just do, make sure you're not on like any um, terrorist list or anything like that. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> as well, you know, got to make sure that you're not, Fair. you know, doing nothing crazy out here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are options out there for, foreign investors to invest here in the United States and buy investment properties. I've helped ton of foreign investors, um, especially in the Philadelphia market. Like, you know, a couple of years ago, everybody in China was coming to Philly and buying up all of Philly, right? Um, shout out to my guy, um, Malik Carter out there in Philly. Um, we, we did a lot of deals out there together, but um, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to my guy, real estate coach Carter. But um, yeah, it's opportunities out there for foreign investors to invest here in the United States. So COVID slowed it down a little bit. So, you know, it's not too many banks like it was prior to COVID that are doing it, but you can still, you know, find good financing out there. What are some of the biggest hurdles that stop people from buying homes? Credit score? Is it down, not having enough for the down payment? Because that's something that, you know, a lot of times people, is it just not having a proper education? Like, what All is of some- the above, okay. you know, not having a proper education. Um, first and foremost, that's the biggest thing that I see. People don't. They fear what they don't know, right? So most people who don't buy a home and when you speak to them, they don't know nothing about the process. They don't know nothing about loans. They don't understand interest rates. Mm -hmm. It's just overwhelming for them, right? So that's first things first is the knowledge. Then credit. Credit is probably the second biggest thing. People have bad credit out here and they need to get worried about fixing their credit and stop spending so much. Um, Then I would probably say cash, the capital. You know, I think that's probably the third thing that I see that hold people back, especially in, in um, cities like New York, L.A., where it's very expensive to buy real estate. You know, a, a two-family here is a million dollars, right? You're not talking about you need probably 3.5% plus closing costs. I mean, before you know it, you can be close to 100K, you know, that you need to buy a house. So it's a, it's a lot that happens. Uh, I mean, it's a lot that stops home buyers. 
But these are the things that I see the top three. I stop the lack of education, um, credit, and capital. Yeah, I like what you said. We, we don't know what we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is the questioning. So, like, when we're getting into this process, what are some things when we're trying to find the, the right loan officer or the right commercial bank or investment bank, what are the questions that we should be asking before we take that step? When you're interviewing your loan officers? Right. Oh man, there's tons of questions that you need to ask them. First of all, do they own any property themselves, right? Are they are they investing? Are they homeowners themselves, right? How long have they been in the business? Very important question to me because look, there's nothing wrong with rookie loan officers, right? But they don't have the experience. They don't have the the product knowledge yet. They don't know how to maneuver, right? They're gonna be more reactive than proactive because they're learning on the job. So experience, you know, how many deals are you really closing? How many did you close last month, right? So just to get an idea of what that person is closing, how many people are they really, truly, honestly helping? Um, how much is a seasoned person? How many number, How many closings are they having? A seasoned uh, loan officer. I mean, you could be seasoned and still, you know, not closing Don't do deals, anything, right? Right? So, I mean, if you're a top producer, in my opinion, you're closing well over 100 plus deals a year. You know, if you're a top producer loan officer, but the the mega producers are closing a couple hundred loans a year. Okay. Um, you know, they're they're out here really killing it. Um, so, but you know, the average loan officer is probably closing four deals a month somewhere four around months. there, which is not bad. You know, depending on your your compensation level, you can still make great a great living closing four or five deals a month. Um, but you know, you want to ask these people these questions. Um, do they have a team? Very important, especially in times right now where everybody's overwhelmed and busy. Are you the only person that they're going to speak to, right? So, team is very important. Do they are they underwriting their loans in house, right? Is their underwriting being sourced to somewhere else, or what kind of control do they have? You know, these are all the things that are very important yeah. because you want to know that your deal is going to be able to go through the system. With no issues. So speaking of the mortgage industry mm-hmm. and working with a mortgage professional, you're a mortgage, you're a loan officer. Correct. So we not, we haven't had this conversation either. We talk about like investing in real estate, but there's always two sides of the coin. So you can make money actually working in real estate as well. Like, you know, we, we've interviewed Kyle to Kiana Watts. We talk about like being mm-hmm. a, a real estate agent or realtor. Um, so like how... What are the opportunities for people if they want to become like what you are as far as a loan officer? How do you do that? Like, do you have to go to school for that? Is it like a test that you take? Like, yeah. what's the, how do you how do you get hired? Like, what's the deal? Well, so first and first, you have to get licensed, right? Um, so you have to get licensed. You have to take the safe test. And that's, I think, 25, 25 hours, um, which is not a long period of time. That's not a lot of hours, right? You mm-hmm. can do that in a week. Um, you can do it online with no problem. It costs you a couple hundred bucks. Um, once you pass the class, then you have to take the federal exam. And when you pass the federal exam, then you have to submit your information to NMLS, you know, National Mortgage Licensing System. Right? Yeah, that's the acronym you keep saying? Yeah. <laughs> actually, and I'm saying that because I'm official. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm a licensed loan officer. Like, I'm not an internet guy. I always say this, right? And that's why I started saying my license number. Yeah. One, to be compliant. At one point, I knew about her. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of people, I hear it on every video now. <laughs> like, right? Every video is like NMLS number 587. I almost forgot. 58700. <laughs> right? But it's important um, that once you once you pass, then you you submit all your documentation, got to get fingerprinted. Um, I mean, we getting your credit gets looked at, so you can't really have bad credit. If you have any issues on your credit, you have to write explanations of why if you have outstanding 
child support, things like that. This mm. is serious. This is not like you just... When I came into business, there was no licensing. They literally gave me a phone book and said, call people, right? I didn't know a damn thing. But now, after the crash, they make people get licensed now. Um, so if you're a licensed loan officer, shout out to all the licensed loan officers, by the way. Um, that's how you start to get licensed. But that doesn't mean you're going to get a job, right? Because most banks right now don't have time to hire and train new loan officers. It's too busy, right? So you have to find um, either a mortgage company, a mortgage broker, or even a big bank, right, that's willing to take the chance with you and hire you. Or I would recommend anybody looking to get into business, try to join a team, right? Because if you join a team, like I run a team, right? Mm -hmm. I run my own division. So, but I won't hire nobody. No, sorry. No, not right now. <laughs> not right now. Don't even try it. Not, not, even, not right now. Please don't hit me up on that. <laughs> you need two years experience minimum, right? But um, there, are, there are people in my position that will hire new people because they, they may have the capacity to train. I don't have that capacity right now, unfortunately. At some point, I will, but not, not today, right? Um, but get on the team so that way you can get that experience. You can get that training. You can mess up. Um, and, and have somebody to guide you and hold your hand because there's a lot that goes into originating loan. People think, you know, especially with the digital stuff that we have and, and the information and technology era that we're in, it's so easy to go on these websites and people get a pre-qualification letter and they think it's just so easy, right? Mm. It's not that easy. It's a, these guidelines, if you look at the underwriting guidelines, even for like an FHA loan, right? The underwriting guidelines is over a thousand pages. That's a lot of information. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we have to be guideline goats. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have to know our guidelines. This is our Bible. This guidelines. is this is how guidelines. This is how <laughs> we make our living. Yeah. Right. So for me, I study these guidelines. I live in these guidelines. They 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 tell you everything you need to do to execute. Right. And and then you have to now be able to articulate that to someone who has no clue. Right. So yeah. it's not. It's so like, what are some of the guidelines that you have to memorize? <sighs> Man, everything. Guidelines change today <laughs> on certain things, right? Like, especially in COVID, right? Things are changing rapidly. It seems like almost every other week there's something coming out from the government saying this or that, right? Especially with self-employed borrowers making sure that their businesses operate and, and, and they're running. If, you, if you're buying investment properties, they want to make sure now that rent is being collected, especially if you're refinancing and you're using that income to qualify right? Mm -hmm. We got a document you're receiving rent now, right? There's a lot that's happening. All that I've discussed in the blueprint, by the way, but <laughs> there's a lot happening in the market right now. And it happens at a rapid pace. We wake up and the guidelines are changed. And then we have to just learn them and adapt. And it affects every loan that's in the pipeline. Sometimes they'll give you like, oh, it's going to be December 1st or January 1st, 2020. But mm -hmm. sometimes they say effective immediately. Yeah. I remember we had a conversation. Uh, I was reading an article and um, I think they gave you like a week. I think it was September. It was for the refinance fee that okay. they added. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. They yeah. added the refinance fee and it, the whole industry got pissed off. Like right. the entire mortgage industry was pissed, right? And they, then they, they delayed it to December 1st. What, what is that? So they added, so Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac came out, I think this was August, that they're taxing lenders now, basically saying, hey, y'all doing a lot of refinances. Rate is low. We need to make some of my, our stimulus money We need some of this money, basically, too. Ba basically. And we're going to tax y'all a half a point per every refi that you're going to sell to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, effective immediately. So that means that you're going to sell to them, right? So they basically said, we want our money, and you have you could have a pipeline of 1,000 loans 
2,000 loans in your pipeline, right? Now you got to pay a half a point per loan. That could be 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars worth of loans, 100 million dollars of loans times a half a point mm. that you didn't expect. They're taking your revenue, right? But they're not going to take the lender's uh, revenue. I know who it is. It's going to take your revenue. <laughs> right? yeah. You're going to get charged. I'm going to charge you more. We're going we're gonna to charge you more because we're not going to pay for that, right? And, and anytime things like this happen, it gets passed on to the consumer. Like, the lenders are not going to pay for it. You know, so the industry went crazy and they decided to delay it to December 1st. Um, so... People who are originating refinances right now, that half a point is already built into your rate sheets already. You know what I'm saying? Which in town made interest rates for refinances, depending on which lender, go up by eight to three-eighths of a point over the past um, week. Mm-hmm. Because now it's loans that's sold by a certain period of time. So we have to cut. Once loans are closed, it takes a while for it to get sold to the agencies. You know what I'm saying? So you got to price that in now because you don't know when they're going to buy it from you. You know what I'm saying? Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.